0: So we know what we have to do. We have most of the technology systems to do what we need to do. We just need to get to it. And so I think we just need to reposition sustainability in it is doable. It is manageable. It's not a lacking or without. It's just a change of mindset and we have to do things differently.
1: Welcome, everybody, to season three of the Here Together podcast. We are your hosts, Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberts. And we're obsessed with the big question. Da-da-da-da. Can we live together sustainably? And if so, how? So over the next year, we're going to curate conversations with people who are living in eco-villages, designing new cities, inventing new or unearthing old household technology. People who are at the forefront of sustainability science to get the answers for ourselves and for you. And we're really excited to interview Kate Gardner. Kate is a leading sustainability expert and a consultant with 25 years of corporate and entrepreneurial experience. Kate is also a personal carbon footprint evangelist on a mission to help individuals align their priorities with their values to create positive change and a livable world. Wow, that, that sounds
2: really cool. I'm, and like, we love values here absolutely, at yeah. the Here Together podcast. Yeah, that
1: values alignment I'm, I'm really excited mm. about. I'm really excited about this book. I'm really excited to, to bring Kate to all of you who are listening. I think she makes personal sustainability so much more possible. But check the show notes for Kate's full bio and bona fides. The level of her involvement in the forefront of women's business, sustainable fashion, and reforming manufacturing towards zero waste make her a real thought leader. And we're just really lucky to have her here. But before we let Kate get a word in edgewise, I just want to make a a detailed plug for Kate's website and book. The website, kategartner.com, and you might want to check the show notes for the spelling, k-a-t-e-g-a-e-r-t-n-e-r.com. It's this incredibly useful and generous portal into personal sustainability. I found Kate because someone in my Twitter feed forwarded Kate's sustainability quiz, which helped me see where my efforts were strong and where they could be stronger. KateGartner.com also contains links to worksheets that you can use to make clear and closely customized action plans to reduce your carbon footprint and make your life better. And we're going to be talking about Kate's book, Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living, because it's packed with actionable sustainability tips and a template for prioritizing those tips and actions in a way that matches who you are and what you value. So that's what we're doing. That's cool stuff. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Good, good. And Kate, I've read the book. Kelly I, hasn't.
2: I have not yet read the book, but I've heard a lot about it from someone, yeah. and uh, we're both very excited about the ideas in the book. So,
1: so Kelly's the stand-in for you, the audience. Here I am with yep. you, the audience. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, welcome, welcome, Kate. Thanks, for so, Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, it's nice to meet you, Charles and Kelly. So the first question. Well, we're
2: really curious um, because sustainability deals so much with sharing resources. Did you have to share a
0: bedroom when you were a kid? (laughs) I heard you ask this from somebody else. I did. I did. I was the only one. So I was the third child of four and our house only had four bedrooms. So when they got to the third, I got mine. And then the fourth child came and they said, you know, she's the youngest. We'll stick him with her. And so I I shared my room, I think until I was about 10 or 11 with my youngest brother. And how'd that go? I mean... How old were you when they told you you had to share? He came along three days before I turned five.
1: Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
0: Yeah. So we had two single beds, you know, I think I remember it being like zoo-like like Like she, my mother had put up um, like a rim, you know, around the top of the, the, um, the walls and it had like zoo animals. And I don't think that I minded it. I think I probably did in the beginning, like, Hey, why do I have to have this like crying, screaming baby all the time in my room? But it did. I, you got used to it. We all, yeah, and the four of us all shared oh, one bathroom. Yeah. That's,
2: that's asking a lot.
0: <laughs> Seriously. It, it would be asking a lot of my two children if they had to do that. They don't. They, they have their own Yeah, bathrooms. I have a
2: certain stance on on the the toilet to human ratio in a given house. <laughs> but maybe, maybe there are sustainability formulas about that that we can discuss later. I think there's a there's a
1: there's a color mnemonic about that. If it's brown,
0: <laughs>
1: flush it down. If it's yellow, let it mellow. No matter no matter how many toilets, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, that was that was always the rule in my house growing up. We grew up in in a little mining town in central Arizona where the water system was literally patched with inner tubes, not in the house. The water system for the entire the town town. So we experienced you know water shortages and water conservation long before you know, it was kind of the, the more global and, and national rule. So we, yeah, we have- Due to ancient plumbing. Due to ancient plumbing, yeah.
0: Yeah, but fascinating, yeah. right? That it, you know, it, it's the whole, the whole idea of if it's yellow, let it mellow, if it's brown, flush it down is an old idea. I mean, it's been around for a long time and it's it was a very practical idea.
2: Right, yeah. I had friends who lived mm-hmm. on the mountain and they trucked in all of their water. And when you truck in your water and put it in a cistern and you pay for it and you see it come by on a truck and go into the vat. And then you see when it's gone, I think that gives a real appreciation for the value of water. We in the city just, you know, turn on the tap and it's there as long as you pay your bill, it's there. But to see that water level go down and, and whenever I would go over and and stay with them and hang out, um, you know, it's like they had very finely tuned practices around water, around dishes, around letting it mellow, around bathing and all of that, because it was just such a necessity. And it was so clear that they had X amount until-
1: (laughs) I think if I remember correctly, you kind of make the point in in your book that, you know, this is all we have left when we speak about the planet as a whole this is this is what we have to work with
0: oh my gosh i mean we could have a whole discussion about this idea of, of some white men uh, some very very wealthy men thinking that we're gonna go to mars and we're gonna colonize it and create this great community and that's just baloney Uh, But people really think that that's an option. And I ask, I would want to ask people, do you think it's the better option? I mean, yes, I think it could be an option. Not anytime soon. But do you really want to be on Mars versus on Earth? Because Earth is pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, it makes, yeah, it's like we want to trade. We want to trade in for a really old jalopy that doesn't really work that well. We've got this car that's pretty good. It's about ten years old, or we could buy this whole thing that doesn't work at all. I don't know if that's a good analogy for like. I'm not sure that that doesn't work for no. going to Mars. No, but we've got like we've got liquid water on on planet Earth. That's pretty cool. We, we can breathe. Jeez, we powers. can breathe the atmosphere. Oh. We, can,
2: we don't get. Right. So we, we get sunburned, but we don't get completely fried with solar radiation. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So while we're kind of out here at the at kind of the big picture space, Kate, I'm just kind of curious. You know, after COP26 and the the meeting of all the the countries and and the work that they did to try and craft some kind of agreement about how we're going to get through the next decade what's your predominant emotion about about climate change in the future and, and especially you told us you have an 8-year-old kid so are you feeling hope despair determination worry what's 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 up for you
0: good question i'm disappointed in humanity um i I worry a lot about the lack of political will uh, across the globe, but definitely here in the United States, there's a, in a tremendous amount of uh, obstructionism, I should say, and mis and disinformation around climate change and politicizing climate change, which is not a political issue, right? I call climate change an equal opportunity impactor. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how poor you are, what color you are, what religion, right? Um, it's go- it's impacting everyone. Uh, so I'm I'm fearful for my children's future. I worry about um, human migration and conflict. That's one of the things that you don't hear a lot about, uh, and it is already happening. But I also, I have to take the stance of hopefulness and, you know, I've dedicated my professional career to trying to support systemic change and that, that would be systemic change in industry and how we manufacture, think about manufacturing products and uh, managing materials. And so at least there's purpose and meaning in my life. I also will note that there has been a huge, a faster transition to renewables than we ever thought was possible. They're basically saying that, you know, maybe just 10 or 15 years ago that we were definitely going to shoot to around four degrees above pre-industrial levels at the end of the century. And now that's looking more like three degrees, right? So there's, there's actually been progress and we can see that. We also know with the pandemic that when we stop traveling, when we stop emitting, there's significant beneficial things that happen and they happen really fast, Right? So we know what we have to do. We have most of the technology systems to do what we need to do. We just need to get to it. And so I think we just need to reposition sustainability in it is doable. It is manageable. It's not a lacking or without. It's just a change of mindset. And we have to do things differently. Yeah. So
2: you heard it here, folks. It is doable. It is manageable. We can do this. Yeah.
1: And I really believe that, especially even more after reading your book. And, the, and I really want to get into the, your, I think, unique take on making sustainability seem doable as an extension of just who we already are. I think some of the blocks is like, well, I don't want to be a different, you know, I don't want to, you're going to make me not eat hamburgers again, and all the sort of stuff that it's going to be imposed on us from above. And your formula is really more about like, what what rises up from within you that leads you to sustainability. But but before we get to there, let's let's tackle the big definition.
2: Right, right. What is your definition of sustainability, Kate?
0: <laughs> so there are many, many definitions out there, right? The Bruntlett Report sustainable development definition. My definition of sustainability is that we live lightly and impact our impacts on the earth are near neutral, if not positive, so that um, future generations can continue to be born and grow and thrive on this planet earth so too sustainability means not just considering you know the human world it's the non-human world and it's earth's ecosystem services like what it provides us that we can't really monetize very well mm.
1: can you say a little, little bit more about ecosystem services because that might be a new concept yeah to i some haven't of heard our that listeners. term
0: hmm. Uh, So ecosystem services are things like um, the forests, they cool the earth and they also absorb carbon dioxide. But trees have to be around for at least 20, 25 years to be able to start doing that. But what the other thing that forests do, if they're high up, um, alpine forests, for instance, there's snowfall and then in this in the summer the warmer months that snow melts it goes down the forest the forest clean and decontaminate that water system Right. But it also serves to regenerate the aquifers that are underneath. So these are all these are all ecosystem services. They exist on Earth and they perform very well. These duties that allow humans and non-humans alike to survive wow. and thrive.
1: Right. And another classic example is, is bees provide mm-hmm. you know, billions of dollars worth of pollination services that we would never be able to do by hand. Right we don't have we don't have little bee bots yet to mm-hmm. to pollinate the almond trees or whatever. Yeah, thanks for that definition and um you know one of the things that you and I interacted on on Twitter a little bit is the both of us share this frustration with the idea that what sustainability is about is saving the earth. And it's we don't have to save the earth, we have to make sure that it is still able to sustain us,
0: right? That's right. The earth is going to be around for a long time, as long as the sun is going to be around. Um, And I know that's a really tough, that's a really tough proposition for humanity. They don't want to think that way. Yeah. We we have to save Mm -hmm. ourselves.
1: Yeah. You know, you make a really compelling case in the book for individual action for reducing carbon. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that governments have, have really been lagging, that they haven't been leading in this around the world and and strangely enough corporations have been some of the leaders you know Walmart is putting solar panels on the roofs of their their factories and their stores like who would have thought Walmart would be mm-hmm. a leader in sustainable action and you know the you know kind of the three legs of our culture right business government and and individual humans you know if okay if government's not going to lead but corporations are can we get humans Individual humans, individuals working on this. And, but you make the case anyway that, that the United Kingdom was able to reduce individual carbon footprints by 30% in just 10 years. And you, what do you think the goal for the US should be? I know we have some international listeners, but what do you think the, the goal can be? What's the attainable goal for those of us in the United States as far as reducing our individual carbon footprint?
0: I mean, I think that by 2050, we have to get close to around 75, 80%. Of reducing our footprint. And a lot of that is involved with the energy that we source and then how we truck ourselves around or get ourselves around to our daily activities. Um, So those are two really biggies. And then food, the food system, we have to think about these systems, but 80%, 75, 80% by 2050, and then just eat out a little bit more, maybe, you know, another 10 to 15% by the the end of the century.
1: Wow! 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 Wow!
2: So we got to do the heavy lifting in the next uh, thirty
1: years here. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But maybe it's not so heavy. Well, I think
2: that's that's one of those those things. Like people, like you were talking about earlier, Charles. Like I, I think so many people feel like sustainability means I have to give up using the good dishwasher stuff, and I have to, you know, give up my you know, diesel truck, or I have to get, it, it's all about giving up stuff. Um, I'm really curious. Um, uh, also, if, you know, Charles has been talking to me about your book for the last few days, but if, if you could tell our audience a little bit more about how you envision the sustainable lifestyle. And, you know, it sounds like it's a way of having an abundant lifestyle that isn't all about giving up up everything that's fun and good
0: so you're exactly right kelly i mean i think it is about abundance but it's a it's not about abundance of things it's um you know appreciation and gratitude um for what you do have um i think sometimes we you know it's it's this paradigm of we We need more, we want more, it's gonna make us feel better, happier, better looking, sexier, cooler, right? I mean, this is a paradigm that's existed probably probably for the last 50 to 70 years. But it doesn't necessarily make us happy, right? We have we're surrounded by tons of stuff and we're throwing it out faster and faster, and we're buying more, and it's lesser quality and they it breaks faster. And so there's there's actually this sense of my God, this is so much to deal with. You know, I think about, and and I have kids and I do this, I buy too much for them. And right before Christmas, my husband's like, hey, we got to clean out all the closets. Like we got to weed all the stuff that they, you know, weed out all the stuff that they don't use. And it is every time he literally just said it yesterday. And every time he says it, I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't, like, I just almost cannot even think about doing that. And so sustainability for me is very much getting back to this, these old world ideas, these simplistic ways of living that do declutter your decision making process, can often declutter your home. And actually allow you to get back to what's genuine and real, which is your relationships with your family and friends, your neighbors and community and um, sharing your wealth as an individual and a human rather than, you know, playing with gadgets and things.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's one of the the major benefits of quarantine time was people really got back to the simplicity of just spending time with family, playing board games and, you know, being together in a way that, you know, people weren't out running around and and going to, you know, Little League and gymnastics and 40,000 things. So it's like, let's just stay home and Be with each other for better or worse. And I know it wasn't great for everybody, but for a lot of people, you know, we just kept hearing stories about how people were rediscovering family time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, really, the board games were fun and the car games. I didn't even realize this about myself. And I know it was like the macro stress and uncertainty of the pandemic, but I was getting into puzzles. Like I was like digging the puzzles, man. And then nobody would help me into like three quarters of the way through. And then my my you know, my son would be like, oh, you know, I could see it here. And I'm like, thank God, somebody's finally helping me. But there was like that was joyous and, and meaningful, right? Because you, you got to accomplish something, this thousand, this thousand piece puzzle. So I do think that we've just moved really far away from that. And it just, there's a great benefit to returning, sometimes maybe being forced to like the mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I'll,
1: you know, while we're kind of talking about, you know, this re- rediscovery of these basic values. And that's one of the things that I like so much about your book is like I said, that you discovered a way to link sustainability and and personal change to values that we already have. It's, a, it's about changing what we do maybe, but not changing who we are. You kind of came up with four archetypes, four <laughs> values archetypes that I think are really useful to share. Would you mind just kind of going through those four uh, value types real quick?
0: You're going to force me to talk about my book.
1: I am. I think you're, I think you're, are you done with it? Are you just, you, you, you wrote it and you're like, I'm done with it. Get rid of it. Throw it out like last year's Christmas presents. No, I think it's so valuable. I think it's just such a great template for thinking about uh, getting over this, you know, this mindset that Kelly was talking about, about, oh, I'm going to have to lose everything. I'm going to have to deny myself. I'm going to have to, you know, lose. And what you're talking about is regaining what makes us individual, unique and human.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, no, I mean I should talk about my book. It's just hard uh, sometimes. I, I'm humble, you know. So I talk about value drivers. I'm. I've always been a, a girl that's in moderation. I don't. I don't think shaming works, and I think there's been an element around sustainability of shaming people. To you know, why do you eat meat? Or you know, why aren't you a vegetarian? And then you know, vegetarianism isn't good enough. Why aren't you a you know vegan? You know, so it's always the next step, and it's really hard to change. It's just hard to change, even though we're changing infinitesimally all all the time, right? Every every second of the moment, of the day. So I talk about values because what I want people to to understand is know who you are and what drives your behavior. What, what, um, What kind of framework do you think about when you make decisions? And I want people to commit to sustainability, right? I know that it's an iterative process and it's a process of Uh, adopting certain things and then staying with it for a little while and then letting them go and then bringing something else on that works maybe better. Also, it's a process of saying, uh, trying something and saying, wow, that really works for me and I'm going to go deep, right? So there's breadth and depth to sustainability. And I want people to understand what drives them so they can stay committed to, to do that work. Um, so the value drivers, there's four. One drive, value driver is cost saving. So when you think about the decisions you make, is it always about ensuring that it's going to save you money? It's going to cut costs for you. And if that's your value driver, cool. There's tons of sustainability tips and measures that you can take. The second one is around health. It's important for me. I, my My reader avatar, my book avatar, Um, One of the things she said is, I don't know, I don't really feel very sustainable, but, you know, we've been recently been biking for the last couple of years. I said, well, why, why are you biking? Um, You know, is it because you want, you know, you're, you're really considering being more sustainable. She's like, that had nothing to do with it. Actually, we were, we were a little bit out of shape and it was a way for us to get Back in shape and it was doable. And so we bought ourselves bikes. I'm like, perfect. So the, the second value driver is very much about, I, you know, if you care about a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, great. If that's your decision-making um, paradigm, great. There's tons of sustainability measures you can do with that. The third one is about community. A lot of people, especially here in Portland, Oregon, are all about community, local makers and purveyors and entrepreneurs. We're huge in this um, going. We, we don't have one farmer's market. We have like 35 farmer's markets in downtown Portland. Right. So, you know, it's if you are very much concerned about going to Powell's and not going to Amazon, buying everything at Amazon and, and lifting up your community and lifting up your, your local entrepreneurs. Great. Tons of sustainability measures you can take there. And then the last thing, is a it's not it's going to sound a little bit like a catch-all, but the archetype is: Do you care about your environment? Do you think about it? And that, and another way of, of saying that is: Are you thinking about the biodiversity, the biome, the local biome of your community? Are you concerned about the pollinators of the world, the beetles, the butterflies, and the bees? We have a lot of like amateur beekeepers here, um, we have people who have small, tiny, tiny yards in Portland that raise their chickens so they can have fresh eggs, right? So if you really have that view of, I really want to just lighten my footprint on this environment, and I want to really support the non-human world, great. There are so many sustainability measures that you can take. So those are the four value drivers. And I would ask people to think about it. And maybe there's a fifth, maybe there's a six, right? I, maybe I didn't catch them all. And the reason why, I I guess I'll say this, the reason why that even came into play is because one of the case studies that I put into the book was with a woman who was um, a biology teacher and lives in rural Oregon and um, is a woman of science, but also very conservative and religious And she doesn't know how she feels about climate change being human induced. You know, when I started talking to her and interviewing her, she was really sustainable she did so many things that were sustainable and growing a garden and cutting her own wood and only using wood to heat the home in the, um, during the summer months, she doesn't even use her dryer. She hangs everything outside. You know, she goes to farmer's markets to sell her extra um, produce from her garden, all of these things. And I said, okay, her driver is about saving money. It's always about the budget. and But she's, she's probably even more sustainable than most people that I interview. That's really interesting to me. I don't care what your political views are, how you perceive yourself, whether you're a liberal, independent, or conservative. But if I can find your your heart, your value heart, then I can talk to you about sustainability. Oh, I love it.
2: I love that too. And we have talked a lot on this podcast since we talked with Michael Lawrence about strengths and your four categories. Immediately, I saw when Charles was telling me about them, I saw how they basically are strengths-based approach to sustainability. And I thought, God, that makes so much sense. Because what we've been learning is that when you follow your strengths, it's easy and you have energy and momentum and things make sense. And you just go with the, what you're strong at and you don't struggle against what you're not so strong at. So to try, and, try to be sustainable and try to make all these changes in, in a, family, a family's life that go against the grain, it's like, of course, it's going to be uncomfortable and not fun and miserable. But if you are following your strengths and your interests, and I just love that, how you said, like, whatever it is, I can find ways for you to be sustainable, that meet those values that meet those strengths. And that just to me, that feels
1: very hopeful. Yeah, I liked how you said that. Thank you. Yeah, the, the strength-based approach. That's that's a mm-hmm. brilliant insight. And I was just thinking about, you know, Saturday, tomorrow's Saturday. And okay, if I'm uh if I'm coming at this from penny pinching, then I could go plant a winter garden. Um if I'm coming at this from a community, then I go to the farmer's market and meet who grows my food and enjoy, you know, what what they're doing. If I'm uh thinking about it from the health perspective if i'm the there's the, a group called the bee bester i think is the the name of that like maybe i go for a mm-hmm. bike ride um and if i'm you know if i'm the the ecosystem person the nature lover maybe i go volunteer for the local creeks organization and and pull invasives out of the out of the creek and all of those are great sustainability options
0: they are and they're all needed
1: yeah i'm mostly a nature lover that's most but i like but community as well Mm -hmm. But Kelly, you're really kind of the, the bridge builder, the community avatar when you talk about how, you know, the kind of the kind of sustainability that you want to see.
2: Right. I'm an I'm an introvert. And so I don't actually want to talk to other people, but I love planning and designing and my fantasy world that is very rich inside my head is to create spaces that make it easier for people to be in community and make it easier for people to take sustainable measures. And so I come at it from a design perspective, but I'm also a kind of a penny pincher too. I mean, I I'm I cheap out in a lot of ways and but I like the idea of thinking the cost through all the way to the end and what is going to save money in the long run i'm learning to think that way so my natural penny pinchingness is shifting from get the cheapest thing now to what's going to be the least costly not just money but in all respects in in time and energy and you know, resources and all of these things that don't get accounted for in, you know, in the, the, the algorithm or the, what's the,
0: the equation. Yeah. That's the way. The analysis. So that's, I'm sure you know this, but it's called life cycle assessment or life cycle analysis, the full assessment of the cost of a decision. Um, I love that you are already thinking about what your value driver is. So I'm a community builder. I almost refuse to shop online. I always want to go and support the entrepreneurs, the farmers markets, the local makers and purveyors, because it's really, if you support your community, it it stays and grows more vibrant. And everybody wants to live in a vibrant community. You have to support it.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode, and thank you for joining us on this investigation into the question of our generation. How are we going to live in a way that can last? We hope you'll stay with us. So subscribe. It's free. It's easy. Just click the subscribe button on your podcast app to make sure you get every episode. We also invite you to join the community that's growing up around this podcast
1: subscribe to the twice monthly newsletter at here-together.us/join and come chat with us on the Clubhouse app. Clubhouse is this amazing highly participatory audio-only social media app and I love it. We're extending the here together experience there every week. You can join the Here Together Clubhouse Club. We're there every Sunday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. If you're already on Clubhouse, search for and join the Here Together Club and you'll be notified whenever we open the room. It's easy. And if Clubhouse is new to you, don't worry. We wrote a simple Clubhouse
2: user guide that you can find at here-together.us. We'll be having the same valuable conversations with people who are already designing and living the solutions and you can join in. Ask questions, share your thoughts, and be a part of the Here Together community in real time. Or you can just listen while you're doing the dishes. Whichever mode works for you is fine.
1: Just join us. And be sure to check the show notes for more on the podcast guest and related resources. It's easy. Just click the notes tab on your podcast app or go to here-together.us pod for all the details, links, and whatnot. Now back to the show. So we've got the we've got the four value drivers or the four and the four value archetypes, I call them. And then you talk about these seven impact categories, these seven different places where we can put a lever in and apply our values rather than deny ourselves. Mm. Just apply our values. Um, and I won't make you read them because I got them all written in here, but <laughs> <laughs> Transportation, energy, home and property, food, material goods, water, and trash. I'm just kind of curious, given that, given that I'm a nature lover and Kelly's a bridge builder. Um, you know, what are some examples in some of those seven impact categories where we might do some sustainability work? Oh my God. Okay, so
0: you are you're the nature I'm a, lover. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. write this down, um, and you're a community builder right? Kelly? Okay.
2: Yeah, it's I don't know. I I I feel <laughs> uncomfortable uh owning a bridge builder when I don't ever want to talk to people. Go
0: with Oh my them. god. You talk to people all I know, the time. It's, you, it's
2: it's dumb.
0: You're the the co-founder, <laughs> I know, right?
2: Well, I love this. This is super fun. One person at a time is super fun.
0: Okay. Um, I'm writing these down. One, two, three, four, five. Um, oh my God. I think yeah. water. Okay. Uh, okay. So um, for transportation, uh, so wait, Kelly, are you going to go with community builder or are you going to go with Penny Pincher? I'm going to go with Penny Pincher. You're going to go with Penny Pincher. Okay. Um, so the nature lover would probably bike or walk right? Um, the penny, well, you know what, I'm going to, the penny pincher is definitely going to, to walk, bike with a, a regular bike, um, or maybe even a used bike, or do, or use public transportation if it's available to them, right? Especially if they're urban environments, a little bit more difficult when you're um, in the countryside or rural. Uh, if you are a nature lover, same, but you might upgrade to an electric bike, scooter, or e-moped, like, you know, the Vespa Electrica, right? To make it a little bit more rewarding for you. And you can go longer distances. That's transportation. Energy. Um, Nature lover, you know, only renewable. It's going to be geothermal loops. It's going to be PV solar systems and and the like. Um, Penny pitcher, you might be going with more passive um, ideas to cool your and, and also to, to keep your house warm right So it's putting the shades on totally the do doors that. And the windows. <laughs> 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 you know spend a little bit money on, on really good insulation um, insulation right um, So food nature lover, you're growing your own garden. you're going to a farmer's market right you're only buying local and seasonal and you're making your own food. Penny Pincher for food. You know, I think that you're probably not going to do a CSA. You're probably not going to do a farmers market. You might do like an Imperfect Foods. Have you? Oh, have you like heard at that the grocery, or, the bent they, vegetables and stuff. Well, um, Imperfect Foods is actually like a membership base. It's, it's similar to a CSA, but they actually take surplus food from markets, sometimes from farms that have not been sold that are uh-huh. ugly. And they, they ship it off to homes. And so it's a way to ensure that food is not wasted, but it's not pretty food. But it's delicious food. So you might be that person, or you might just make sure that you, you know, a lot of people have this thing these days. I mean, this, you know, around the depression, this would never happen, but people don't like to eat their leftovers. Like you might be the gal who's like a week in on the leftovers. And that's fantastic, right? Because you're trying to eliminate food waste. Um, That goes into waste. I just just,
1: just want to pause Uh, for a second and just be like, you know, again, the Uh, audience can't see this, but Kelly's got a big grin on her face. So it's like, you can tell when something is aligning with somebody when, like, Kelly's. When they
2: light up. Kelly's nodding
1: and grinning about, yeah, leftovers. (laughs) Yeah, imperfect food. Yeah. 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 (laughs) This is great.
0: Good. Okay. Um, I hope I can make the mark on the last four. So, waste. Um, Okay. For a nature lover, I would literally say to not use anything that is packaged with plastic, right? And then anything with metals, um, you know that you can go to a municipal facility that's going to recycle those metals. And then nature lovers probably only going to buy sustainably made, sustainable fiber materials. Yeah, Ways from a penny pincher. I would suspect that you are going to be going the durable mm. route, right? So you're gonna, you know, you're gonna probably go with glass or hard plastics, and you're just gonna use them mm-hmm. forever. If you buy a candle that's made of glass, then you're gonna reuse that and have it as, you know, this is a glass candle holder, and I now use. I it totally for my do packs, that, right? Or you're gonna use it for v- vases, right? So that would be a penny I- pincher. That it just, multiple yeah, I can't uses.
2: throw containers out if there's any possibility they're going to be reusable.
0: Yeah. And and why? I mean, if they have multiple uses. Um, Homes, let's. There's a fine and line bet. between uh,
1: uh, low impact sustainability and becoming our own landfill.
2: Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a. Who you dare? Kate, can you write me a note (laughs) that I can (laughs) hang in front
0: of his face? Uh, okay so home and property nature lover I mean this is super easy these are some Some of this is expensive but you know making a roof garden mm. spending the money if you have the money to create a roof garden that is going to be a wildlife sanctuary for birds and, and pollinators um, for the penny pincher that actually works because it really is like 70% reduces your energy use for your home so it insulates your your home but it also keeps it cooler in the summer months in arizona um irrigation systems you know so that's a penny pincher nature lovers air escape i mean you do that all day long in arizona you guys know this stuff really well um that's a good segue into water um, because arizona does that too you have very limited water capacity and when it does rain it probably causes like floods you know like you know, um, street floods. So putting a cistern in place a nature lover is to capture the love that the earth falls, you know, lets it fall from the sky, right? Capturing that. Um, and then the penny pincher from a water standpoint, I mean, you're taking short showers, you're not flushing a toilet all the time you in the sink the kitchen we use a lot of water in the in the kitchen is like you're scrubbing everything getting all the stuff off and then you soak it into water before you put it in the dishwasher right i'm um, gonna need another note
1: i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a huge <laughs> fan of dirty dishes uh sitting in the sink so. of soaking
2: um, i know he i know
1: but now, but now that it's recontextualized as
0: sustainability, all right, all right, I can I can change my head around that. I know. It's maybe you just do it, you know, I know. You have to sort of rethink like it's they're gonna sit there and you're gonna do it every a, day. And as a nature you're just gonna lover, I'm just gonna be day. like,
1: wow, look at the look at the diversity and richness of mm. microorganisms in our sink right now. This, Micro- is, this is fantastic. <laughs> this is great.
0: Uh, and I have one. So the last category you you may you put me to work. So the nature lover, from a material goods standpoint, it's 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 sustainable all the way. It's sustainable fibers. I mean, just don't you know nylon rugs, for instance, are really cheap. And, but they don't last for very long. Polyester blankets that you, I'm, I'm going to call, call out some names like West Elm and Urban Outfitters, they're fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. They're made of oil. So after about nine months and you've washed it five times, it starts to smell kind of funky. Can't get rid of the smell. It starts to get brittle and hard. You know why? It's made of oil. And natural gas, right? Don't buy it. Nylon rugs really cheap, only last three to five years. Don't buy it. Wait, spend the extra money to get a wool rug, to get a cotton blanket. Right? I mean, it they do cost a little bit more. They last longer, and they're going to be more enriching over time. The penny pincher um, from a material goods standpoint, second hand renewed clothes, right? I mean, don't buy, right? So, I mean, you can get really great deals right now. I just went in, I was um, I was in New York City. Uh, they were selling local makers. It was just like this whole um, area. But one of the really interesting things, and I didn't buy anything because I'm not into luxury goods, but there was a luxury goods section of Gucci and Louis Vuitton. What was really interesting, they were all um, hand-me-downs. So they were in really, really good shape. They were still extraordinarily expensive, but they were secondhand. And they were like, this this is our shop. This is what we're doing, right? And so I find that fascinating because they were gorgeous. They were in such great shape. Why not have a third, fourth, ninth use for that when somebody else is like, I'm done.
1: I learned, I learned so much in your book about uh, about fibers and fashion and, and the problems that it causes. And, and, but also some really hopeful stuff about, you know, what Eileen Fisher is doing to recondition their high quality clothes and then be able to resell them. Um, and I found out that Patagonia, you know, one of my favorite companies is doing that as well. They've long had a, Patagonia has long had a, a really strong environmental ethic. And now you can go onto their website and order, somebody else's pile jacket. It's not even made from recycled. Uh, it's not recycled. It's, it's been previously used and reconditioned.
0: So yeah, I think this is really, really fascinating is, is like the secondhand market. If you're going to, you know, antique shops and like secondhand shops, th- th- there's always been a subset of the population, American population and probably global that loves that right? Because they're getting a great deal. They're getting old stuff, you know, mid-century modern or you know, 1970s stuff. It's cool. But it's probably a very small subset. And then most people think of if it's been used and worn and loved by somebody else, it's kind of icky. There's an icky factor to it. But this, I think a lot of these brands are changing the game on that regard. So they are Cleaning it and r- repairing things and retagging it and making it just as good, just as cool as something new. That is our future, right where where that shop that you um, you go to you know you'll you'll go to a mall and you know 10 years from now, maybe 20 years from now, you'll go and you'll see a shop that's all virgin clothes, like brand new clothes and you're like, you know, they don't even get it. they are so not woke and not cool. And I just want to shop for old stuff. That's hip Love and it. neat. Love it.
2: Yeah. I, and the, Well, ahead. I was just going to say she nailed us. I mean, yeah, like almost everything is stuff that we do. So yep.
1: that's pretty cool. So we're already, we're already really yeah. driven by those values. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of the next step in the book is to, you know, come up with a spreadsheet and kind of a matrix And you use the small, medium, large, you know, kind of steps. It's like, okay, well, we're already doing some of these steps. Are Mm -hmm. there some? Yeah.
2: How can we fill in the blank squares? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Stuff uh, like saving up for an electric stove instead of a gas stove to Mm -hmm. cut down on our natural gas. Or
2: electric vehicle. Electric vehicle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really, again, I'm just in love with this book and I think it's really powerful and I want to, you know, I don't know. I want to buy a bunch of copies. Is that okay? Can I buy a bunch of copies of the book? And then Um, hand them out to everyone. Hand them out to everybody. I want them to be in hardback so they last on your website. As I said in the intro, there are, there's access to worksheets and spreadsheets that people can use to figure out, you know, where, which value driver they have to go through all of those seven impact categories and make some decisions. You know, I think we should, you know, value the things mm-hmm. that we're already doing. I'm glad we you know, celebrate the stuff that we're already doing.
2: It's so easy to feel like whatever we're doing is not enough. And, you know, there is no amount that is enough when faced with climate change. But at the same time, if you lose hope, if you let it, you know, crush you, yeah. Yeah. then you're not going
0: to be sustainable. So...
1: Right. There's that there's that personal element to sustainability
0: of not losing hope. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, Al Gore and Bill McKibben and Paul Hawkins, they talk a lot about hope, that this is very doable because it is because you don't want people to lose hope. You need those wins. You need to see the success of doing something really small and be like, I that is meaningful. That's worthwhile. And then I'll go deeper. Right. Right. And then I'll go deeper. Love that. I think. Let's do the vision question.
1: Oh, yes. I can't wait. Yeah. You want, I'm okay. Yeah. So, so Kate, it's, um, let's go ahead and, and travel to, to 2050. And, oh the, gosh. and, the, okay. and everybody, almost everybody on the planet has read your book. They've been embracing the, the impact category. They've been, they, everybody knows, you know, you meet each other on the street instead of saying, you know, how was your day or what is your sign? It's like, what impact category are you working on today or what's your, what's your, what's your value archetype? Um, and so everybody's been embracing these sustainable ideas and and you know uh, full cycle resource management for 30 years. What does that world look like and feel like to you?
0: <laughs> I I hope that that world no longer has Amazon in it. Mm. Yeah, throw down the recycled gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> I um I. Th- really think like there are um, zero waste digital marketplaces opening up and they're exponentially growing. There's also, it, it, they're very cool, but there's zero waste retail locations here and, and I'm sure all across the United States, but that that they almost get put out of business because every business is zero Waste, where you go in and you bring your own bags and you bring your own receptacles to take away the product and nothing is packaged with anything that is not recyclable like that doesn't have a market for recyclability right and um, I we don't need to get into it but plastic there's so many plastics out there and they're exponentially growing but there's there's you know one through five that are highly recyclable. We just have to make it a profitable industry. and then we just have to just feed the system with that. Um, what else? The, I do that that we deconstruct these industrial systems that don't serve us anymore because they were born out of the industrial age and they're just not working for us. The paradigm that we brought to how to build those are destroying us, destroying the earth and then just destroying the resources that earth provides us. And then we'll ultimately destroy humanity. You know, We won't have the air to breathe. We won't have good water to drink. We won't be able to thrive because there's just you know there's not enough goodness out there
1: yeah so the flip side of that is there's going to be enough goodness there's going to be clean water to drink there's going to be plenty of air to breathe your your kids are going to be uh your kids are going to know what buzzing bees sound like
0: in 2050 yeah. yes
1: yeah and chickens i think there's just going to be chickens and lots of backyards chicken
2: zoning everywhere
1: chicken zoning compost piles everywhere yeah <laughs>
2: definitely
1: yeah. compost. Yep. Yeah. Yes. You know, I I um
2: he's got a giant compost situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And you know, I was a little I was a little I was I was always kind of embarrassed. You 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 recite the story you would tell the story of a of a person who moved to in the book of a person who moved to um New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and was looking around and discovered that there wasn't any municipal composting and that's the case in most places that's the case mm-hmm. that's the it case is. here except I'll I'll say the example and you know I just kind of took that for granted like oh there's no municipal composting i know it's happening in san francisco but my god i could have just said there needs to be municipal composting in prescott and make it happen fortunately that is actually happening our farmers market now has you take your compost to the farmers market and dump it off and and pick up a bucket of compost if you have a garden And they just keep rotating it through. And so that's one of the services that our local farmer's market. It's so cool. But yeah, I want to, the lesson that I'm going to take out of that is, you know, heads up, Charles, just because something's not available. Like who says that you are not the one Mm -hmm. who can make it happen? And actually Kelly and I are thinking big about creating a, some kind of sustainability incubator, sustainability community center with, well, we guess we got to have a rooftop garden now. Yeah, yeah, I would love that green roof and, uh, and chickens and places for people to gather around these ideas to be able to share what they know and what they're doing and, and support one another as we, you know, take charge of sustainability. And that's the other lesson that I got from the book, as I thought about what you said about governments, it's like, okay, you know, the US government is hobbled right now, you know, Canadian government, most of the governments are kind of hobbled. um, But businesses get into it. And so let's get let's get to it as individuals as well. It's not that hard. And
2: let's support the businesses that
1: are doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd love that. So Charles and Kelly, I mean, you've really internalized this idea of being a stakeholder and having agency (laughs) and feeling empowered that your actions can be really meaningful. And it also can change the game for others. And we just need more of those people thinking that way. Cut because it's true, right? It's true.
2: And that's why we're doing this podcast series is because we want to know more. We want to create a life that we can feel really proud of and feel free within instead of feeling constricted by a a culture and a consumerism that doesn't bring us joy, that feels, you know, it, it doesn't feel healthy. And so we want to change our lives. But because we're good talkers, and we constantly are just engaging in debate and processing of all of these ideas, it's like, well, let's document our journey and share it with others, because then maybe we can help other people realize that it's within their reach as well.
1: And we definitely want our listeners, those of you who are listening right now, document your journey too. Absolutely. Get back to us. Get back to us on Twitter. We want to know. Yep. Get back to us. You can even leave a voice message on Anchor and tell us, you know, who, who are, you? are you? Are you a bee bester? Yeah. Are you a nature lover? Are you a bridge builder? Who are you? And, and what small, medium, large steps are you taking? Uh, can we want to build this kind of positive proof, this, this social proof around sustainability. It doesn't have to be awful. And it can be really impactful. It's
2: not mm. awful. It's really joyful. Yeah, and if we do it together, we can make it fun. Exactly. Yeah, Even exactly. though I don't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> I still want to. Do, I still want to do it together.
1: Kate Gardner, thank you so much for sharing your, your book with us and your thoughts, your expertise, um, your laughter, and your your hopes and your and your fears with us. That's, mm-hmm. it's, it feels uh, all of that feels like a gift to me.
0: Thank you. It's really nice to meet you and talk to both of you. you have got great personalities, great voices. That's all it takes. To be, that's you. all it takes to be a
1: podcaster.
0: <laughs> it, it takes more bit, than that. A little
1: bit of electricity, which which we get from Arcadia. So it's yeah, so it's uh, so, uh, wind powered electricity that we're running this podcast yeah, by proxy. By proxy. Yeah, yeah. We're a windy podcast. Kate, anything that you want to make sure that our listeners take away from
0: this? Um, I. I I think I said it, which is, I want everyone to know that they are a stakeholder, that they have the ability to make change, right? Not just in them, within themselves or within their family or community, right? But we humans have created the systems, right? The political, economic, social, cultural systems. And so we can also get rid of them, change them, make them better. And so, I just want people to feel empowered. I want them to go forward with hope. I want them to take action. It's like progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about what you do. Just do a few things well. And then that's going to make you feel better. And then you can just. Keep on adding to that Absolutely. bucket.
1: Build on some of those successes, and definitely go to Kate's website, kategartner.com. Take the sustainability quiz. Let us let us know yes. how you did. Um, I'll will share my scores uh, on on Twitter tomorrow, and uh, check out the check out the book planting a seed right and we'll <laughs> we'll put links to the the book at, at powells and indie band we will mm. not we will not put the link to amazon no on our uh, show notes nope 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 we stopped mm-mm. we stopped using amazon links uh a while ago yeah. yeah yeah please please check out that book if you need to borrow it from me let me know if you're local bring it over you can read it yeah Kate, again, thank you so much. This has been uh, just a joy for me. Like I said, I I fell in love with the book and uh, I'm just, I'm gonna be shoving it in everybody's face. Yeah.
0: Cool, thank you.
1: We hope and trust that you got something of value and something actionable to aid and inspire you on your sustainability journey. We invite you to continue with us on this expedition into positive impact and more satisfactory, satisfying and sustainable living
2: subscribe to the twice monthly newsletter it's short and sweet full of useful resources and of course my favorite part a gratuitous podcast picture and remember to join the here together club on clubhouse
1: you can also engage with us on twitter at HereTogetherOne. one we'll be there sharing climate news and really important photos of sustainable alpaca farms yay go ahead and tag us on tweets that you think should get more attention Again, we're building a community of newly empowered local climate action takers and personal sustainability makers.
2: Together, Together we we got this.
1: this. The Here Together podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creative.